0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A., member FDIC. This week on WealthTrack, index funds are more expensive, higher risk, and less diversified than you have been led to believe. So says global value manager David Winters. He presents his evidence next on Consuelo Mack WealthTrack. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going.
1: Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairhome Foundation.
0: Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. I'm trying to get my head around the monumental flow of funds going into passive index funds and out of actively managed funds. Indexing is being presented as a no-brainer, a slam dunk. Even Warren Buffett, one of the greatest active investors of all time, has been recommending it for his family, friends, and just about everyone else. His now famous advice from his 2013 annual shareholder letter bears repeating. It is the instructions he has left in his will for his wife's bequest. My advice to the trustee could not be more simple. Put 10% of the cash in short-term government bonds and 90% in a very low-cost S&P 500 index fund, I suggest vanguards. I believe the trust's long-term results from this policy will be superior to those attained by most investors, whether pension funds, institutions, or individuals who employ high-fee managers. In Buffett's view, practically anyone who doesn't buy and hold, invest in stocks as you would in a farm, as he once put it, is a high fee manager. Well, it seems just about everyone is now following his advice. According to The Wall Street Journal in 2016, 82% of new retail investments coming through financial advisors, more than $400 billion, went into index funds and ETFs. And it appears the lion's share has gone to Vanguard. Over the last three calendar years, Vanguard has received 8.5 times as much money as the rest of the mutual fund industry's 4,000-plus other firms, $823 billion for Vanguard versus $97 billion for its competitors. By one estimate, Vanguard traders put as much as $2 billion a day into stocks in their index funds, a huge portion of which goes into the five stocks with the largest market value or capitalization. Five tech stocks, Apple, Alphabet, which is Google, Microsoft, Amazon.com, and Facebook have dominated recently, and at one point accounted for 53% of the S&P 500's year-to-date gain. This kind of concentration is just one of the major reasons this week's guest is critical of index funds. He is an active manager, so they also threaten his business. He is David Winters, founder and portfolio manager of the global value-oriented Wintergreen fund, which he launched in 2005. Wintergreen is known for its long-term investments in high-quality global companies. That focus delivered outstanding performance before the financial crisis, but has caused the fund to badly lag the S&P 500 since. However, it has outperformed a global index. Winters is an independent thinker who does meticulous research. He and his team have analyzed the financials of all of the S&P 500 companies and have discovered what they call look-through expenses, hidden costs which he says make index investing much more expensive than advertised. I asked him to explain.
1: Well, the idea of index funds originally was a good idea, Consuelo. And what's happened over time is that the fee looks low. Right. And that's what people concentrate on. But they don't look at the total costs. And the costs are that there's dilution from executive compensation plans that have, in 2015, are about 2.5%. And, you know, you can go through the filings and find it, but it's not easy to find. And that would be on average for the S&P 500. And then the other big expense is that stock buybacks, which most people believe are good for shareholders, have become increasingly used to offset these executive compensation plans. So another 1.6% of the expense of the S&P 500 that's not apparent is in these buyback costs. So we call it look-through expenses because you've got to look through. Right. And if you're a shareholder in an index fund, you own a piece of every company in the S&P 500 if you own
0: so so that adds up to 4.1% in these look-through expenses, these indirect expenses that, that you've identified at Wintergreen. Right. You did it because you were doing some work on uh, on Coke. You were a major shareholder of Coke right. in Wintergreen Fund. How did you get into this? I mean, where, where you, you found all of these indirect expenses.
1: Well, you know, there's a couple things that happened. Is we noticed that things were different in the market and the way that Securities were trading and the relationship of value to stock prices Mm -hmm. and so we started doing research and then with coca-cola There was a plan to that would have effectively diluted the shareholders substantially an executive
0: compensation plan that you that you at wintergreen fought Successfully yes, right,
1: and it was that plan that then gave us the idea that well, maybe if it's at coca-cola It's elsewhere, right, and so we started this process and we tried to find you know a computer program that was out there. It didn't exist. So we had to go by hand through every company of the S&P 500, 10Ks, proxies, all their filings, the, the plans themselves. And we didn't know what we were going to find. Mm-hmm. And ultimately what we found was that there's 4.1% effectively dilution, look through expenses, in the S&P 500. Right. So this whole idea that people have, that index funds and ETFs are cheap, they're actually very expensive, and the expenses are ballooning over time. Or and we and why are
0: they ballooning?
1: Well, you know, what happens is the executive compensation goes up, right? and the buybacks have gone up to offset it. So it's not, you know, uh, it doesn't hurt the reported earnings quite as much. And, you know, we're all for management getting paid, right. but we believe, you know, this should be totally transparent, and it's created this distortion in the markets that people basically are all flocking to index funds and they don't understand that they're expensive. And then we believe they're quite risky mm-hmm. because the way the market weight works of index funds, what goes up has to be purchased in greater and greater size.
0: Right. And, and you know, we've talked a lot about the market cap weighted Indexes and and how they get distorted. I mean, for instance, in 1999, if you own the S and P 500, you ended up owning you know 30 percent of the S and P 500 became, you know was in tech stocks. Right. And um and so this is your point. The the high risk is that there's a. Huge concentration, which you call you call them Fang and Friends, sure. and so we've done the you know the Facebook and the Amazon and the Netflix. But you're saying that with the Friends, there are ten stocks essentially that um, that d- dominate uh, the, the the market cap of the index funds of the S P 500, and that you're owning many more of those uh, percentage wise than you really want to.
1: Well, really, what's happened is those securities these. These fabulous growth stocks, which right. have changed the world, yep. you know, all developed by brilliant people, have um, dominated the returns in the markets. Right. And so the index funds have to just keep buying more and more of them, so they become more and more of the index. So instead of this diversification, you end up with concentration. So you end up with high fees and concentration in you know, hyper-growth stocks and the history of hyper-growth stocks. Um, at some point, they may not grow quite as fast.
0: There are alternatives now that to market cap weighted indexes, for instance, which do you know eliminate the concentration that you get in those fang stocks and mm-hmm. their friends. You know, what about those? Is is that a better alternative? Is that a better mousetrap?
1: I think it probably is a better mousetrap. Mm-hmm. But the problem is then there's this other issue about the opaqueness of the voting, right? And the big um, index funds vote. You know, in 2015, 95% of the time for whatever management wants, the rubber stampers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oftentimes management is right, you know. But what it does is it creates this spiral of expenses. And so if you have no one doing fundamental analysis or very few people. Right. And you have the index funds essentially endorsing these higher hidden fees. It's money coming out of investors' pockets. And over time, it becomes... Even now, if you take 4.1% times the market cap of the S&P 500, it's over $800 billion a year.
0: Now, Jack Bogle, who created the Index Mutual Fund, mm-hmm. has been critical of institutional investors for, for a couple of decades now because he, he's saying that they're not taking their corporate governance seriously and that, in fact, that they do you know rubber stamp most of what management wants. So that's really not different, right? You're just saying it's going to perpetuate itself? It's more dangerous now? or Well, you what? know,
1: Jack Bogle's a brilliant guy, and he came right. up with this idea. And, you know, and it's just, it's become, it dominates the market. And oh. it was one thing when it was just one segment. But now that it's, whatever, 30 or 35 percent or whatever the mm-hmm. exact number is, it's, it's created this enormous distortion. Right. And with the active managers, and historically active managers could choose to own, you know, high dilution securities Mm -hmm. or not. Right. But now that they're all, everybody's getting pushed into the same securities, you have fewer and fewer um, investors who are basically standing up for their investors, their shareholders, their fiduciary duty.
0: Right. Wintergreen has... You know, expenses of one point nine five percent, and you and I have talked about this before. Morningstar says that's a high fee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what's what's the justification? How do you compare what your one point nine five percent public, okay, you know, versus uh, versus well, what what you're paying that you don't know about in an index fund?
1: Well, you know, part of this voyage of discovery that Wintergreen's been on with all this right. is as we went through this, and you know, we have an institutional class that's one point seven percent. And then we looked to see, well, what were the hidden costs, the look-through expenses of our companies? Right. Because we own companies that generally have lower dilution. Mm-hmm. And our look-through expenses are, uh, the, whole, the whole expense cost is uh, 3.17% in um, 2015. An index fund right. is 4.2%. Uh-huh. So we're 25%. Our costs of, for, to the investor not yeah. only what you see, but what actually is, is costing you, is a big discount. Right. And we can own securities that trade at a fraction of what they're worth, as opposed to owning securities that everybody owns for the momentum. So we think that when you look at it, we believe the proper way, right. Wintergreen's a bargain, yep. and that the index funds are expensive, risky, and, you know, potentially at some point this bubble is going to pop.
0: One of your other major criticisms of, uh, of index funds as well is that they've created this kind of momentum monster, you call it. Why are you calling index funds momentum monsters?
1: Well, because they've convinced everybody through all this extensive advertising that we don't believe is, you know, entirely shows the true cost of mm-hmm. this, that money flows in, massive money flows in every day. And it has to be put to wait in the market wait. And so what do they buy? They buy these 10 securities, and you know, full disclosure, we own Alphabet for mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm, which but, is Google. Right. You know, which is Google. But, you know, so these securities just keep going up and up and up. And every time in my experience as an investor that something becomes a momentum investment and people forget about the underlying fundamentals or they put it aside, and here fundamentals are less and less even considered because part of the mantra of the index funds is don't think about fundamentals, just buy the index.
0: The fans of index funds um, also stress the fact that the performance of index funds uh, has been better than most active managers. So 95% of active managers underperform their benchmark indexes over the last 15 years. What's the defense for active managers, given that record, that track
1: record. Well, there's a couple of elements of this, is that everybody's looking at it today. Right. And since 2010, after the financial crisis and basically zero interest rates, this phenomenon of index funds became the dominant force on Wall Street. Right. And it's become this magnet for capital all over the world. So people are looking, if you look at it, of course it looks, the active managers don't look as good. Because for the last six and a half, seven years, that's what's worked. Mm-hmm. The second element is that active managers have been pushed away from really being active. And that if you look at this uh, statistic called R squared, so many active managers are really index fund light. Right. And so you have So they're
0: mimicking the index funds yeah. because they've got to in order to, you know, keep up with the performance right. that they're under pressure to perform. Right.
1: So and we're not trying to do that. So right. at times we underperform, which is part of life. And this year, you know, so far, we're outperforming. Right. But you know, if you look at anybody who's really rich, they did it by owning a business or a series of businesses. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it by being average. Mm-hmm. And because of these fees, these expenses, these costs that are not well disclosed, we don't think that the returns of the index funds going forward are going to be nearly as good. The other element that people don't talk about is because everybody's in the 10 stocks. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at all these other stocks. Right. And they're not looking at fundamental values anymore. Some people are. But, you know, we can find securities, Consuelo, that trade at 35 cents on the dollar, and there's nothing wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And it's because people aren't focused. And also, no one's holding management to task.
0: And, and that's, so, so, I mean, how important a part of active management for you at Wintergreen yeah. is holding management to task?
1: Well, you know, most companies we want to invest in, like BAT, they're great, you don't have to worry about them. Right. But then there's other companies that aren't doing exactly what's right. And we have shares of a company called CTO, mm-hmm. and we're the largest shareholder, and we are in a proxy contest with them, and, and you know, we're just trying to push them right. to do the right thing for all shareholders
0: and 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 why would you get involved with a with a company like CTO, and I'm not familiar yeah. with CTO, what what is? It's
1: a land company in Florida with a 1031 portfolio. Okay. We invested in the company because we just thought it was ridiculously undervalued. Mm-hmm. and we invested you know over ten years ago, and just you know we were concerned about certain things with them. and you know it there aren't that many people today who are willing to take a stance, right. but we think the shares are very undervalued. And if you know we are able to convince management, to do the right things for all shareholders, everyone benefits. So so part of this is not only that the active managers have to be active, but that there is, we believe, so much to do today as a global value investor because there aren't that many people looking because they're all convinced through all these studies based on a backward-looking lens, Mm -hmm. not on a fundamental value lens, that there's a lot to do today.
0: And and also overseas, for instance, of course, indexing has taken hold overseas, but is it to the extent that it has here with the S&P 500, for instance?
1: It's starting. It's starting. It's starting because, you know, it's an opportunity for the marketers at the index funds, right. and, and it's happening. But that said, there's still a lot of companies overseas that are mispriced. You know, we own a lot of companies that are basically kind of off the radar screen. right. And, uh, you know, one that's well-known is Heineken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the company's doing really well, and it's run for the shareholders. And it's got, you know, the family is, is super high quality, and they make a great product.
0: Right. And, and that was another, I, I remember, another quality that you, you looked for who, who were the shareholders. And, you know, you, you liked owner-operated companies. You wanted uh, management that had, you know, skin in the game.
1: You really want the people who run these companies to have their own money side by side, that they bought stock right. or they own stock, and they think and act like owners. I think where a lot of this disconnect and the disconnect with the index funds is you don't have this thinking like owners, yep. and um, so we like companies that are run for the benefit of everyone in the long term.
0: There, there's an, another company that is actually not on anybody's radar screen that, no. that you're invested in, at, in Wintergreen. Tell us about Elvet.
1: Elbit Systems is an Israeli company that we came across because we were looking at the defense companies. And we kept looking, and I had a friend of mine who said, you know, you got to look at drones a couple years ago. And and he said, you know, people do not want their children dying behind enemy lines. And so, you know, this is a big change. you got to focus on it. And so I looked and I looked and I looked, and we came across an Israeli company, and we went to visit this company. And they are the, one of the biggest producers of drones in the world. They have, uh, they're big in cybersecurity, which is now huge. Mm. The company basically is barely followed, certainly not in the States. In Israel, they follow it. And, you know, it's well run. Uh, there's a family there. And we think it's cheap. And, you know, in, a, in an uncertain world, uh, Elbit makes a lot of products that help make people safer. And so, you know, what we try to do with the Wintergreen Fund is figure out ways to participate in how the world is changing as well. And if, you know, if we can do it in an undervalued way and in a way with good governance, and we think that Elbit Systems has those characteristics.
0: So I, I, I remember you were a big shareholder in Nestle at one point.
1: We own Nestle.
0: Major holding. We like right. Nestle
1: very much. You know, it's, it's, you know, consumer products have slowed down to a large extent, mm-hmm. but you know, it's a very high-quality company that uh, makes uh, products that people love, Right, And they've moved up the healthy spectrum. And it's just a very, it's a wonderful company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we own other companies, and we love Switzerland. You know, we own a company called Mm Sika, which is a a specialty uh, building products company that's got an interesting shareholder battle going on between the family and the company. And it's just a great business. Yeah.
0: Looking at, since with this move to indexing and this concentration in these, you know, Mostly tech stocks, right. actually. You know, where are you finding the most um, undervalued securities?
1: Well, I'll give you selected? one that's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and that we've owned forever. So uh, we own a, a, a little company. It's not so little anymore called Birchcliffe in Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's a natural gas company. Mm-hmm. And it, we believe it trades at about 35 cents on the dollar. And the thing that's neat about it is the, the man who runs it, uh, Mr. Tonkin, is, you know, he has all his own money up. He's built the company. He's an honest, hardworking fellow. He's smart, mm-hmm. and then the largest shareholder is a guy named Seymour Schulich, who's um, also a you know a brilliant guy who's bootstrapped himself. And so you know you're lined with people who have all their own money up, who right. own something that's very undervalued, who've built it, and they get it. And so you know we think there's a number of securities around the world that just they're just so mispriced. Mm-hmm. And it's so
0: interesting because you, know, you talk to, to many other investors, and they're saying the market's really expensive. It's very hard to find good value propositions. Mm-hmm. And you're saying not so, that there
1: yeah.
0: are a lot of them.
1: I, look, I think despite it's sort of the best of times, the worst of times. Yeah. Because of this whole index bubble, you know, people now no longer believe in you know, fundamental analysis and value investing right. and all this. It's just sort of, and there's all these studies out there. Yet, because of what's happened, there's all these neglected, unloved, and at some point, it's got to change. And so, you know, we have all our own money up mm-hmm. at Wintergreen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's my money alongside, you know, my business partner, mm-hmm. Liz Koenauer's money, mm-hmm. all my colleagues, right. you know, the Graff brothers, and, you know, and, um, you know, we, you know, we believe. Right. And, you know, and we, and we have, you know, we have a great shareholder base. And, you know, there's room for more to join the party because- I think that what most people are doing is financially dangerous. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing, again, in my opinion, we don't take a lot of risk. Yeah, We own assets that are cheap. And in general, we have managements that wake up every morning and jump out of bed about how they're going to make money for everybody.
0: One investment for a long-term diversified portfolio. What, you know, what would you have us own some
1: I, of? You know, I mean, I, I, always, I always feel sort of intimidated when you ask me this question, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, but, but I, you know, we really like BAT. It's our largest position. It's consistent with you know, what the Wintergreen Fund owns. Right. They're doing this transaction to uh, hopefully take uh, complete control of the Reynolds American Tobacco Company. BAT is the most global tobacco company. It's very, very well run. Uh, Nakondra Durante, who's the CEO, is first rate. The, the team there is first rate. The company generates lots of cash. It generates uh, money all over the world, so you have that sort of hedge. And you get paid to wait, and they grow the business. Yeah.
0: David, do you think that the, the indexing you know, movement that we've seen, um, which is so enormous, I mean, how do you think it's going to end?
1: Consuelo, I don't know. You yeah. know, I don't know. I mean, some days I wake up and I think this is just going to go on forever. And, you know, that it's just, there's so much momentum and they've convinced everybody that, you know, it's low fee and that it's just fabulous. And and
0: you're well diversified and, right. But,
1: you know, we also think one of these fabulous companies someday is going to have a problem. Yeah. It's always happened. And at some point the growth will stop, the music will stop. And I think that this is a bit of a game of musical chairs. And because everyone is so concentrated in this one, effectively this one trade, and that is not what indexation was about when John Bogle created, you know, his, his wonderful insight of the index right. fund, you know. So, you know, sometimes too much of a good thing isn't so good.
0: Perfect way to end it. Okay. David Winters, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Consuelo, it's great to see you.
0: Great to see you too. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is be aware of the risks in the most popular index funds right now. As we mentioned earlier, just five tech stocks, Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, Amazon.com and Facebook dominate the market capitalization weighted S&P 500 index and are responsible for the lion's share of its outstanding performance in recent years. That means the index fund portfolios are heavily concentrated and being run up by momentum as more and more money pours in. What runs up will eventually run down. Are you prepared to ride it out or should you lighten up? Well, next week, successful stock picker Tom Gardner, CEO and co-founder of The Motley Fool, explains why index funds are the better choice for most investors, but for the hardy fools, he and his brother David have been building portfolios to last. To see this program again and hear more of David Winter's critique of index funds and defense of independent investment thinking, go to our website, WealthTruck.com, and keep reaching out to us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going.
1: Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective, Rosalind P. Walter, and the Fairhome Foundation.